namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Last week uh, we are talking the fourth factor among these seven supported factors which is promote and conducive to meditation progress. And the fourth one was suitable conversation. There are ten of them. That is specifically delineated for yogis who are in retreat. If one has to talk, those are the only topics that one needs to deal with. Regardless, the, in general practicing yogis too, if you are trying to be mindful at all time, do the best you can. Whenever you have a conversation, try and draw within the framework of these ten, whichever is suitable and appropriate at the moment. Today is the number five supportive factors, five out of seven. And it is said in Pali, Sapaya Puglo. Okay. So when you meditate, okay, especially in retreat, whether you are in a retreat center or you even go out to forest, when you are meditating, there is always company. Okay, until unless you specifically choose to be alone. There's always company and it is also encouraged, especially one who is not being <coughs> right at the top, encouraged to be with the company. Because in the olden days, when you go to retreat, it's in the forest. When you are in the forest, it's always have to have someone that you can lean on in case of emergency, and someone who can look after one another, each other, because it is a dangerous place with animals and disease and so on. So it is useful to have company, company in a sense of practicing yogis, not an attendant or some body who will look after near you or any other kind or nature. But who is also practicing the same way as you do? Of course, you don't stay at the same place and are relatively a fair distance so that one would not disturb the other. Of course, in retreat center, 
everybody in one place and depending on the situation and facility of the retreat center. You might have one to each room or two or three or four in a room. But as there is a rule set out, do not speak and everybody is watching everybody. Teachers are watching the yogis and so there is more of a, in general, a different kind of a restraint to break what you are supposed to, not to break. You don't have to be alone in a retreat center, but there are many checks and balances. <clears throat> so we always practice with a group of people or a few people and in here, it is important to have a suitable and appropriate practicing yogis with you. <clears throat> One scenario would be, we all know now, there are many different methods, even to, within the same tradition, there are many different approaches and methods. Okay, some Satipatthana Vipassana, some purely Jaitanupasana, and so on. And some is Samatha Vipassana, some is purely Samatha. And even among them, there are many different variations. So, the most effective and uh, productive way is to meditate with the yogis together who are practicing the same method. Okay, the same method, the same technique. Because if you are practicing with the people who practice exactly the same, you know what you are supposed to do, you know what you are not supposed to do, you know how the format and structure is. And then also one can be supportive of others in times of just being present around and also, if it needs to be, especially if you don't have a teacher, okay, if you are just yogis, a group of yogis practicing together, occasionally you can get together and discuss about of the meditation in progress or something that you are not clear about or have discussion and shuffle ideas when you have a confusion. And if you are of the same method and same technique, then it is very easy to communicate and talk about. And also, each one knows how to be considerate of the others because everybody is doing the same thing. That's why it is important to have a yogis who are practicing similar kind of method. And even in a similar kind of method, you know, you try the best. But still, there's always a, um, a few yogis who does not really get it or who does not really care. They can become, even become a disturbance. Okay, we are all sitting in, in a hall and a group of us meditating. And then everybody knows you get up very gently, slowly, walk very slowly, open the door very slowly, close the door very slowly. 
so that it wouldn't make any sound, any noise. Or you don't close hurriedly. But sometimes some yogis, uh, out of the loss of mindfulness, or just don't simply don't get it, they might slam the door, bang the door, making noises. And also, not noises, but one thing was, it really pulled the door very fast. But at the end, it closed very gently. When it closed, it open or closed at a very high speed. There's a wave of air and goes in. When it goes in, some of the meditators who are quite deeply in a meditative state, it become a disturbance, just the air rushing in. There are cases some yogin even mention about it because it disturbed them. So those are the little things. And in a group retreat, then that is the responsibility of a teacher to pull that yogi and talk about. But if not, one has to talk with the other together. That's why it is, number one, important to have the same method, okay, using the same method, practicing yogi. But if you are in a group practicing about four or five different kinds, okay, one method needs a certain type, a certain way, move very slowly. Another method, no, they can walk very briskly. And then some method, not only even briskly, even if they make noises when they put their foot down, it's okay because according to their method, that's the way it can be done. So there are so many different requirements and one method can disturb the other method in terms of the behavior of how it is structured. So that is one thing. When you choose okay, people to meditate with, number one, choose someone who is practicing similar method with you. And also, especially it is in, if you are meditating not in a retreat center, not in a retreat center. But even in a retreat center, you don't have much choice. The thing is to choose someone to be with who are as diligent as you are. Okay? Who are as diligent as you are. A group of people, even in a, like our setting, okay, 10, 15 people meditating, one person has really put effort. Put effort in such a way it becomes outstanding to the rest of the group. That much of an effort. And when one is doing that, automatically the rest of the people just moved up a few notches without even knowing, without even trying, automatically this environmental conditioning. So that one person can pull up. But a whole group is just average. They are meditating average efforts and diligence not really term great, not bad either. And in there, maybe one or two, a few slacker came in. They slack, they slack this way, that way, won't go into detail. They talk a little here, a little there. And if you do so, automatically the rest of the group tend to go down with it. Because the nature of the mind is, 
we tend, we tend to incline and do very easily without much persuasion the things that are not not in line with the discipline. It is in line with more of a comfortable and ease of body and mind. Whenever there's an ease of body and mind, the mind tends to flow in that direction. Just our water flowing from the higher place to the lower direction. That's how the mind flows. Wherever the discipline is, they go against the current. So it is more reluctant or more difficult to go. Whenever there's a lesser discipline, that is a direction the mind tends to flow. So those are the kind of people, and when you are meditating, especially if about two months, three months, four months, you tend to see a group of people, and then you know who is hardworking, who is not hardworking. And you don't have a choice, okay, to make other people work harder or not to slack, but you have a choice to associate, okay, to be with, to be closer with. You don't have to talk or associate, mean talk. Just to be working together with somebody who is working very hard. And if you stay close to that person, automatically you will be also working hard. Those are the types of people one should associate with or one should choose to be with when you are practicing. And they can really push you higher and make you work harder. So that is Sapaya Bukalo, suitable person to work with, or suitable yogi to be with in a practice and a practice at a retreat. That is number five. And number six is Sapaya Ahara. Sapaya. Sapaya is a suitable. Ahara is a, in general just food. Okay. Uh, suitable food. Suitable food is quite important. Of course, there are some choices okay, uh, based on the setting. The way we do is the way we are practicing is with the group and everything is being catered okay, to, uh, to a tea. So you don't have much of a choice, okay, what to eat or what not to eat. And even with that, you still can have choose. There might be about uh, five or six dishes. Out of that five or dishes, you can choose to eat three or two or one or all six. There's still always a choice. If there's a choice, there's always a choice. And it depends on you. And when you choose, when you take all of them, or some of them, make sure that you are not taking or discriminating, uh, uh, taking or abandoning with a discriminative mind, not out of loba because you like this dish better, and not out of loba because you don't like this dish. You don't choose based on likes and dislikes. The way you can choose is there are one way of choosing. Is there are six, six dishes. Uh, assuming that they are all eatable, allowable to you. Uh, of course, there's a vegetarian, non-vegetarian, and so on. If that's the case, one way is put 
a couple of spoonsful of everything. That's it. Okay. Everything, you don't leave anything out, you don't take anything more. That is one way of doing it. And also when you're doing it with, with the full awareness. Okay. There's no discrimination. Judo, law bar, or likes or dislike. That's one way. And another way is there might still be, okay, out of six, you will only eat three. You won't eat another three. And when you don't do the, when you do like that, what happens is don't do it with the likes and dislike. The way you do is okay, these trees are conducive to health. Okay, conducive to health. The other trees are not conducive to health. That is the the total full understanding without likes and dislike. Okay, what are the things that you don't like? Okay, you choose what? Oh, this is very fatty. Yeah, that's a fatty food. Okay, or oily food, fatty food, a very rich food. Okay, fatty food, oily food, very rich food. First and foremost, we don't have to go in detail. It's not good for your health. Okay, good for your health. For that reason, you don't eat. That kind of a thing. The other one is non-fatty, non-greasy, you eat it. So not out of likes and dislikes, it is due to health reason. And also, health reason is not this, I want to be healthy. Not that only one point of view. You want to be in a healthy state of mind, and so that it become healthy, and you may practice Dharma. You can put all effort into Dharma. And also, when you eat these kind of fatty and greasy food, okay, you tend to, the body is tend to, like it's slowed down. The, the digestion process slows down, so it has to work a lot harder. And it spends a lot of energy on it. So what happened was, when you spend a lot of energy to digest that food, after you eat, especially around that time, people become sleepy and dozy. That is a nature. So with that kind of pure, clear understanding, you choose, okay? but not out of likes and dislikes. So that is the fatty food, rich food. Don't eat that. And also when you're eating, okay? when you're eating, uh, choose a food, a kind of food that will, especially for people who have a constipation problem, choose food that are more um, that are productive, okay? Uh, it helps for a loose bowel, looser bowel. In that way, you won't have the constipation. That's the way you choose. And also, be careful, uh, especially when you go to, to other countries and where a lot of spice are there. You just don't go and gobble it up because it is great and fit. Make sure, okay, you know that it is. Make sure those are that something that cannot really loosen your bowel and have a diarrhea or very uh, diarrhea states. So that kind of nature you choose, whether it's to constipated people to loosen and then also not to eat food that can really loosen it up. That is a choice of food one should have. Okay? So no fatty food. And a proper move that can control the movement of your bowels. And also, you eat food that can be 
quite easily digested. Okay? Don't eat food that cannot easily digestion. Digestion is one thing. So this digestion is also related to the first two nature. First thing is when you have to digest very hard, and you tend to, especially for the yogis, right after the eating, you want to sleep. The reason you want to sleep is your body diverts a lot of energy for digestion and the rest of the body doesn't have much. And also, to, uh, if it is too much, okay, like uh, fiber and things like that, or spices, it can really make you loosen. So that is the easily digestive, but not too either. And then... The next one is the amount that you consume. The amount that you consume also uh, be very careful because uh, we usually eat three meals a day and especially at the beginning turn out to be two, two meals and then you have a fear or worry or anxiety that I might be quite hungry in the afternoon and evening. So you tend to eat even a little more then you should. Okay. This is enough, but I will eat a little more, so that's a little more cushion, so that it can stay the rest of the day. And the amount that you eat, if you eat like that, then it is, uh, you will feel that you, it is totally um, not appropriate for the body to work with. So those are the little things when it comes to take for food. Uh, in that way, you can choose or you can abandon whatever is in front of you to eat. This is in the retreat. And especially uh, the monks, okay? They're, the way they have to collect food is they go for the arms round. And arms round, they get um, 10, 15, 20 different types of all sorts of food in there, all in a bowl. In there, there you make a choice. In that twice or if not another way is whatever you get you don't even look at it and you just stir it up mash it up and you just scoop and eat that is one way but if you make a choice not out of likes and dislike for health reason and the health is also for the energy to practice dharma with that proper attitude and understanding one can choose or discriminate a certain food and eat a certain food, that kind of thing. So when it comes to amount, okay, there comes, uh, uh, in the scripture, there's a story. Okay, this story is, uh, it has been, um, uh, this particular one is given by the Shansariputra. Shansariputra is the, uh, so to speak, it's a right-hand monk. Um, senior monk of the Buddha, okay? And next to Buddha, like uh, everything here, he has the authority. And not only that, the Buddha even gave him Ikagada, in other words, distinction or special honor. Special honor is next to the Buddha, as far as the wisdom of understanding the Dharma, he is the highest. Nobody come close to him. Uh, next to Buddha, uh, he is the wisest monk, Shansariputra. And on one occasion, he gave a, a talk to some of the monks that follows, 
especially the younger ones. What is, the way he mentioned was, you eat, you eat, you eat with it. But when you are going to be full, you begin to feel that you are going to be full. But before you get full, about let's say in another um, four or five months full, you will be really full. Not overloaded, just simply full. Uh, at that moment, four or five mouthful, you stop eating. You don't eat the rest four or five mouthful. Just leave it empty and in that place, fill it up with water. That's one of the instructions given by Shansari Putra to uh, his, some of his followers. So that is written in the scripture. So that is one uh, way of handling the food. Needless to say about overeating, you don't even eat to the full. Leave only always about three or four mouthful left and fill it up with water or drink water instead. That is one story with regard to uh, eating the amount. And there is another story. Another story is um, it's the, the Buddha. Okay? The Buddha has uh, uh, devotees. Uh, he's uh, uh, the king. Uh, the king Pasadena Kosala, King Pasadena. He's very devoted to Buddha, about Buddha's age around that time. Um, he's the king and he, he is the main supporter of the, one of the main supporter of the king and all the monks. So he always come over here. <coughs> but he's a main supporter, he support, that's one, one segment, one part. But another part is uh, he still rules his country and he still has this habit of likes and dislikes. And his likes, not just simply like his favorite, favorite thing is he loves food. When it comes to food, he eats, let's say, twice the amount of normal people, three times the amount of normal people. That's how much he eats. And then, of course, as he is a king, he has the tastiest, richest, wiliest, fattest food because wild and fats gives you the most taste pleasure. That's uh, anything there is a fats in there, it tastes good. And the vegetable, there's not much fat, so it doesn't taste that great. So that is how he eats. Okay? He can eat two, three times more than the average people and as he has the privilege of the, all the best, he eats all the uh, fattiest, nicest, greasiest, uh, tastiest food. And that's how he lives. And that is his whole habit, uh, the habit, uh, his whole life. And one day, like, he came and uh, visit uh, Buddha quite often, quite often. Uh, and when he came and visit, one time he came and visit, and he was um, eating at lunchtime, so he has to eat. That's between 11 and 12, he's eating, and he's eating as usual. And as he was, and his, that day his, the meal was, let's say, supremely tasty, even uh, one of the best here. Yeah? So he even ate more than before. And as soon as he finished eating, like, he eats not just to the point of full mouthful less, not to the full, he always eats over, over the full. That's how he eats, because he really enjoyed it. So after he ate and suddenly uh, he remembers the Buddha and he always gives respect to Buddha. So instead of um, uh, 
going to and resting it. He doesn't want to show disrespect, so he went to the Buddha uh, after the meal without taking a rest. And in the in the palace, he will eat, and after the eat, eating, he will take a siesta, okay, a little sleep and a nap, and then go on and so forth. And in here, without taking a nap, he went to the Buddha, and the Buddha was um, giving t- talks. Okay, sometimes it's a formal talk, sometimes it's an informal talk. Okay, and he was giving talk, and he was listening, and um, uh, not specific to him, him as well as other monks and uh, to the crowd. And when Buddha was giving talks, one he becomes this is so full and he becomes so drowsy and it is very hard for him to contain. And he's just getting sleepy and nodding head, sleepy and nodding head and so much. And at the same time, in the stomach, the food was so full, it's really uh, uncomfortable. Discomfort set in, you can't sit quite right and, um, and so much, uh, sort of a, some sort of a pain comes in and he was sweaty that much, even sweat. And Buddha noticed that, and Buddha noticed that, and then he said, uh, look at the kings, oh, King Tom, didn't you have a a little rest? That's the way Buddha put it, didn't you have a little rest? No, after the meal I came right here so that I won't miss miss anything. But at the same time he was half sleepy. And then the Buddha said, uh, whenever people overeat, okay, overeat and heavy and rich food. What happened was, it is very difficult for the body to uh, process the food and it becomes sleepy. Sleepy, and not only the sleepy, along with it, there's a lot of sickness. Sickness being indigestion and pain and uh, all all the discomfort. Just imagine that you overate something and you have to give attention. You mentioned about all these things uh, that's happened. And so, if one is okay, in pursuit of the Dharma, if one is in pursuit of the Dharma, one should not eat that way. Okay? One should not overeat it, and when you overeat it, these kind of things will happen. Sickness and drowsiness and disease will strike. And then uh, these kind of discomfort will happen. And uh, he goes, oh, yes, but uh, I, will, um, I will pay heed in future. And then the Buddha carries on, and uh, uh, carries on, and because of this incident, it become a little sutra, okay, discourses. The way the Buddha said is, if a person, if a person is mindful of all things, okay, if a person is mindful of all things, and if that person eats, okay, sensibly, if that person eats sensibly, then that person will be free from sickness. Sickness is that uh, like overbloated or throwing up or pain or drowsy. And uh, nowadays we can even uh, project it in a long term heart disease and things like that, cholesterol. Over that time, they don't say cholesterol, so that it can follow many sickness and disease immediately, and later after, it can follow. So, but if a person is mindful of all things and eats sensibly, then one will be free of these sickness and disease, number one. And also, 
one will one will grow old slowly one will grow old slowly and the third one is one will have a long life longevity will be longer so those are the three benefits of eating sensibly in other words not overeating and in other words eating the right food and avoiding the rich fatty food digestible food sensibly and then about the related to the bowel constipation or loose you adjust yourself and so on and so forth so those are the three benefits arises from eating sensibly so Buddha gives the thing and then to carry on of course when you do that these are the benefits and then how one can practice Dharma attain path and fruition and so on but the king was so like uh, uh, tired and so sleepy can't help anything uh, and but at the same time he was quite grateful to the Buddha uh, and the Buddha also said regardless how much the king cannot contain himself and then he said the Buddha said okay and uh, the king said, uh, permit me to leave, okay? Uh, I will really pay heed to your Dharma talk, to your instruction. I'll live by it. And then um, uh, he left his nephew, okay? He left his nephew, he left his nephew, and listened to the Buddhist Dharma talk very carefully, write down everything. And then when he got back to the palace, you have to tell me again. So that in other words, it's not just leaving it. He left his emissary to take everything and then he left and that uh, the Buddha gave the talk and the nephew wrote down everything and the Buddha told him told the nephew okay let's say uh, the king is eating and he's when he's getting quite close to the finish line okay not overeating not full yet just before the full around that time you have to recite this phrase recite this phrase. So that is the duty of the nephew. The nephew retold the whole story and throughout that is his duty. Whenever the king's eating just before he get quite full and uh, the nephew recite and then uh, this Buddhist uh, discourses or teachings and the king stop eating and he become healthier healthier and strong and become so healthy and strong he was so grateful to the Buddha and the rest of his life he actually followed the instruction and he stopped at obesity or overeating. And um, that is one story related to the food. And that is um, King Pasadena Kosala. Okay, Kosala uh, is the actually also the name of the kingdom. Okay. Uh, as Pasadena of the kingdom of Kosala, the king. So that is one of the story in the scripture that comes out related to this kind of a food. And then uh, you will notice whenever there is something, uh, when we are Dharma talk, we always come up with a little story, um, with a story that is appropriate uh, to that point that we are making the story that story mean it maybe it will be from the sutra or the jataka and so on but there are so many of them in here and we are so lucky that our teachers and teachers teachers 
they are not only the what we call uh, only practitioner. They are both um, master in both theory and in practice. And these teachers have pulled out from all the Buddhist teaching all these different sutras and uh, stories appropriate to the point of our practice, and they put together. So we are so lucky to have these things right at our fingertip. If you don't know these things, just to get a support for this thing, you may have to read who knows how long and how many we won't be able to accomplish during our life. But we are lucky enough because of the effort of our teachers and teachers' teachers. So we should be very grateful to our teachers to have this Dharma at our fingertips. So that is another one related to food. And also food is very important, okay, conducive for the growth of the Dharma. We already mentioned it. If we overeat it, if we eat uh, inappropriate food, greasy food, we'll be sleepy and drowsy and so on and so forth. Okay. And um, also not only that, you will have a... Uh, you will age slowly. You age slowly means um, um, you will be, you look quite youthful for a long time. We always tend to say, oh, how old are you? Oh, I'm, um, I'm 60. Oh, you don't look 60, you look 45, and so on. Oh, that people are so pleased. That means you don't look your age. You grow old slowly. And this Eating appropriately is directly related to growing or slowly or growing or very fast, this consumption of food. So there's no one who doesn't want to look youthful. Youthful, not growing or fast means you are, you look youthful compared to your age. That's one thing. And also, it is conducive to longevity. <coughs> okay. If you eat a lot of greasy food and lots of food, what will happen? You're plucked up artery and then um, heart attack and could die before the due time. But if not, you can take a lot longer to, uh, to expire. Those are the things. So in here, when we are taking food at retreat, these are the little things we have to think about, we need to think about or contemplate about. Not only that, okay, these things, whatever we do at retreat, to a sensible level, take it to your daily life. Take it to your daily life and adapt it appropriately. You cannot duplicate it, but you can adapt it appropriately, whether it's a speech or whether it's a actions or whether it's a consumption of food. So, in here, that is what the food's about. When you take a proper food, you are not drowsy. Your body is quite alert. Your bowels move quite well. Because of that, your body and mind is alert. When your body and mind is alert, you can meditate even better. Okay? It is all this nama and rupa, the body and the mind, is that they are interrelated, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. That's how they are relating to. That's why it said it is conducive to the growth and progress of insight while you are meditating if you have a proper food. Okay. 
Of course, we can't have everything we want. Uh, but regardless, it goes out to the point. Sometimes it's a, don't take it as a, like etch and stone. There's a one story. How important fruit is for the growth and progress. There was a story. It's also the time of the Buddha. And also it's a story, I mean, it's a one of the sutra discourses. So Buddha, and then what happened is around the time of Buddha, whenever the rain retreat is about to come, which is about uh, just before July, in that part of the country, okay, in India, the monsoon comes, the rain comes. So from full moon of July to full moon of October, you can call it that's a rainy season. And when it is raining season, not like here, like not a little sprinkle, it comes down in buckets. So during that rainy season, it tends to, to, because of the condition of the environmental control or environmental condition, uh, it is more appropriate for the monks to stay at one place rather than roaming around the whole country or countries. They stay in one place, and not only they stay in one place, and they put it okay, at a time. This is a time you practice for yourself. Okay? And twelve, three out of twelve months, that is the time the monk can put effort for himself. And then nine out of twelve months, the monk goes around wherever is necessary and then welcome and you teach Dharma and work for the benefit of others. So that is the setting. Okay, that's how it comes. So whenever the three rainy season, three months rainy season came, what happened? The monks, okay, there's about hundreds and thousands of monks there, but they have their own little group. So then a group of 30, a group of 60, a group of 20, okay, based on their location or regions or language or culture, or even what they are meditating, they have their own little groups. These little own groups, they go out to the suitable place. Suitable place. We already talked about suitable place. What is a suitable place? A quiet place, secluded place. But at the same time, not too far to get your food. Okay, those are the suitable place. And when there you have a, a little sh appropriate shelter, and they always have to, every year, uh, when the rainies, just before they come, groups and groups of monks go out and they look for appropriate place and then they meditate for three months. So that is more like become a, a tradition controlled by the environment, the climate. So in here, what happened is these, a group of 30 monks, 30 monks, they came. They came and then uh, came to the Buddha just before they go to their uh, for the rain retreat. They come and pay respect to the Buddha and take uh, leaves off from him. Okay, so Bhante, we are going to, um, Lord Buddha, we are going to have a rain retreat now. So please give us the appropriate uh, uh, kamatana, so let's say meditation. Give us an appropriate meditation and we'll go and practice for three months. And then the Buddhas, for this group, the Buddha give a, uh, they call it a samana kamatana. Samana is, um, in general, it is the, the monks. 
Okay, Samana is the monks. But specifically what it is, is the Buddhas give this group. He doesn't give everybody the same. Every body, every group, different. This one he gives two types of meditation. One type of meditation is a contemplation on the 32 parts of the body. Okay. 32 parts of the body. What it is is uh, and this body is divided into 32 parts. Okay. As an example, uh, body hair, head hair, okay. teeth, and nails and toes. And then after that, there will come the skin, the flesh, the sinews. Okay. And then go to the bones. And then the bone marrows. That's a group in there. And then after that, it's the hearts and lungs and spleens and um, kidneys. And that is another groups that go on. And after that is the intestine, big intestine, small intestines. And then the food that you put it in, undigested food. And then digested food, of course. That one is, will come last as a facies there undigested food, food goes in. And then there will be a group of um, what you call more liquidy stuff, flams and um, oh, another one is like tendons and nerves and uh, uh, I don't uh, really know some words in English, uh, a group that goes in. And the latest part is more like a blood and sweat and tears and uh, uh, running nose and um, watery from the uh, ears and also urines and feces. These are the parts. And monk has to contemplate on it. Contemplate on it. And in general, why is it? The Buddha gives some this type of meditation to a certain group of people who are quite um, grasping onto the form grasping to the form. They love the body, they love their form. Okay. Uh, they are in love with their own body. For those people, these kind of things. So what it is, is it is just that little uh, surface cover, more like a cosmetic. The skin is like a cosmetic covering up, and that one gives you an illusion of attraction and loveliness and beauty. But right underneath that, if you look all these pieces, it is very disgusting, it is very revolting, okay. and uh, there's nothing to like about all these things if you really look at it. So when you really look at it, this body you care so much and you love so much and you grab so much, is actually all these disgusting, foul nature parts are the reality. So when you contemplate that slowly and slowly, your mind, that grasping on the form, the beauty, the form, that one starting to shed away. That's one type of meditation. So contemplating on the 32 parts of the body. In Burma, regardless who, when you become a little, a little monk, uh, that is the first meditation to, uh, the abbot will say, go contemplate on this 32 parts of the body. Because um, that is the first thing just to become less and less attractive in love with yourself based on the form and the body. So that is one meditation. And the second 
meditation, he gives this called anicca nupassana. And we all know what anicca is. Uh, contemplation on the impermanent nature of things. So those two meditation, Buddha gave it to these 30 monks. So they went, they went out and looking for that secluded, quiet place. They walked by, walked by, and one point, um, still the, around that time, Buddha time, there are about 16 kingdoms. Okay, 16 king, each kingdom is one country. 16 kingdoms, and there's a lot more than 16 kingdoms, of course. This 16 kingdom is where the Buddha actually walked and talked and spread the Buddha, uh, Buddha Dharma. The 16 kingdoms. And out of the 16 kingdom, one kingdom is called Kosala. Okay, we mentioned about the king, that Kosala. So that is near the, the, the plain, uh, near the plain and the, the hills, the foothills uh, of Himalayas and the plain. And Kosala, in that kingdom of Kosala, there's a district or uh, Matika, Matika district. So the monks, group of monks, they went and they looked and they looked and when they got to this uh, Matika district, okay, Kosala kingdom, Matika district, and also uh, you can call it a town or a village, Matika village. They walked by, they all walked single file, cast down the eyes, they are not looking and fully like uh, in, and full composures, full composures. And uh, there is the, um, in the scriptures you will see they always identify people names with the location they live or the parents, who the parents are. That's how their names come out. There might be other names, but that is how it is written in all the discourses. That's how it is being recorded. So in here, uh, this, let's say, Matika district, Matika uh, village, in village. Okay, so there's a headman. Headman is the, the headman of the Matika village. And the headman has a mother. So this mother is called uh, Matika Mata. Matika is the location. Mata is mean mother. Okay, the, the headman's mother of the Matika village. That's a, that's a person. So she is, uh, uh, lives in that uh, village. And the monks are walking past by and she look at them and based on the composures, like her sada really sprang up. So she went and approached the monks and said, what are you doing? Where are you going? And then the monks said, oh, we are going to find a place suitable for a meditation. And then uh, that's what we are doing. And as she was, uh, her sada was so strong, okay, look, no more, father. In our, in our village, there's a little uh, a structure, let's call it a monastery, uh, a structure uh, that you can all recite and stay and meditate okay, in a village. So, and not only that you stay there, I will look after all the food and necessities uh, for this three months period. So the monks said, okay. So they went there and um, uh, first meditate at the, uh, at the building but they found it a little too noisy, too close to the village. So what they did was finally they decided they will went into the forest nearby and everybody find a place. They find a place and they meditate. And then 
uh, only when it is uh, emergency, want to get together, they uh, said a certain bell is strike, and then if one somebody strike, everybody come back. With that understanding, they went and meditate. And then this matika, for some reason, um, of course, lunchtime they always come. Lunch lunchtime they always come to, to eat at the monastery. But for one day, the matika mata, um, the head woman's mother came in the afternoon uh, in the evening and couldn't find any monks who what happened did they went away because uh, they don't like it here what is the and then she was wondering and finally she found out no they went to the forest and then uh, somebody told them and if you strike this bell everybody will come back so she struck the bell Every monks come back and then he look at them and say, well, what, um, what happened? You don't like this place? And they explain that, no, it is a little too, cold, too noisy for meditate. That's why we went there. Or he said, no, is that any problem? Any problem among us? So you guys are not speaking to one another and going a different place. So in other words, there's always a friction. People don't want to talk and they go different place. So the monks said, no, we don't have any problem among us which is the suitable person or not suitable person, or suitable place or not suitable place. And that's everything is all right, but this is how we are doing. And then, um, and then what are you doing over there to, in the forest? How, what are you meditating? And uh, they said that Buddha gives us the uh, Samana Kamadatana, okay, meditation for the monks. Oh, is that meditation only for the monks? Can the lay person can meditate? Oh, is that no? We just say it's a meditation for the monks because most of the people who meditate are monks, but anybody can meditate on this. So what they do was they say, "Okay, if that's the case, please teach me." So they taught how to meditate these two things, and then um, they went by and um, carry on meditating. And the woman also meditate. But the woman has a full parami, not only that she was also a meditator before, and so she accurately see the Dharma and then to become the first level, the second level, the third level, Ariya. Not only that because of a meditation power and from the past life thing, he also have Abhinya, because they see, uh, Abhinya is Samatha. When you practice Samatha, you got some special power. And her special power is she can look into the other people's thoughts and minds. So that's what she got. And she was really happy inside it. And then she said, I'm really grateful uh, to these monks. And then suddenly, whatever, well, if I'm arising this month, the monks must be really good, better than that. So with her, my, what you call a binya or special power, she looked into the minds of the 30 monks. And when he assesses the 30 monks, 30 monks, nobody has reached the Ariya, okay, noble person yet. Not only that, they do not even have a, a good concentration, samatha. And then, uh, so she said, first of all, she looked at it, and nobody's attaining this thing. And then suddenly she looked into the next level, and next level is, they are not there, is it because they don't have parami? So they look into the minds of the monks and they found that they have full parami. Okay? They have full parami. Not only that parami, they can reach up to the arhata level. And then 
No, they have everything together. They have the parami. They have the right place. They have the right group. And then they look into, what are they eating? Am I not feeding them well? And then what happened was, there what he does was, uh, found that the monks, everybody have their own little likes and dislikes. Some like little salty food. Some like little sweet food, some like little sour food, some like little spicy and hot food. She found that, and these monks are not getting the right, okay, the right product or the right taste. So what happened was, she actually could cater for each and individual monk exactly as they like, and they provide the food. So when they provide the food, what happened was within a short days, they, become, uh, they got concentration, they become aria, and by the end of the three months, all became arahat. So what this story provides is sometimes these kind of little tastes, the right food, when you have the right food, it can even promote you to attain the high level of jnanas. So that is the story with related to food. But in here, there's a lot more detail I would like to expand on about this uh, 32 parts meditation as well as anicca nupasana, which will be more inclined and conducive to what we are doing. But as the time has run out, we will talk about that in the next Dharma talk, along with the number six and I think number seven supported factors. So may all of you be able to practice Satipatthana Vipassana meditation precisely and correctly, and may you be able to attain insight into Nama and Rupa as soon as possible. Sadhu, 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 buddham pujemi, dhammam pujemi, Sangam Pujimi.